This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED. Jennifer Chaikin and Emily Beerley are joining me today. You might recognize them from their podcast, The Shrink Chicks. I love following their page because they have a way of posting exactly what I've been needing to hear. Jen and Emily are therapists and owners of the Westchester Therapy Group in Pennsylvania. I love their approach to therapy. I love their podcast. And I think you guys are really going to appreciate this real, raw, and unfiltered episode. This week's Nursty Energy Moment, I'm so happy to read and share. It comes from Emma Coles. She wrote in to say, Hi, Danielle. I wanted to thank you for creating this podcast. I am currently a NICU nurse and started working in my second NICU in March. I moved across the country, away from family, to take this leap for myself, but have found it extremely isolating and lonely. Thanks, COVID. Listening to these inspiring women you speak to have brought my passion and spark back. Your conversations have encouraged me to search deeper in myself and become a better nurse. So I would say that my nursey energy moment is pushing myself to thrive in a new environment and feeling the support of women in healthcare to break down boundaries. I've learned how to have tough conversations with my coworkers about racial inequalities, call it hateful speak, and started to really question where my nursing career is headed. Thank you for all you do to build such a beautiful community. I read these moments and comments because I have always called my own self-esteem and path into question. I admit, they're validating for me, but in a way to tell me that I'm on the right path. We are all capable of so much in taking those leaps and having tough conversations and just doing what we can to change something is so beautiful to see. I hope it inspires you to make a little change and dig a little deeper for yourself. Thank you, Emma, for taking the time to write me this. I truly appreciate it. I can do this without laughing. I am Jen and Emily. They're therapists and owners of the Westchester Therapy Group in Pennsylvania and also hosts of the awesome podcast, Shrink Tricks. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming on. We were chatting about this a little bit earlier, but I've been listening to the Matchmaker episode and stuff today because I'm like, it's COVID. You know, we're going to get into all things like COVID and mental health related here, but as someone who's I mean, not currently working in the hospital. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm lonely. <laughs> yes, it is a lonely time. It's so lonely. Like, I just crave human affection. Like, mm-hmm. human touch is like one of my love languages, yes, and like yes. not being able to do that or have someone to share that with is really hard right now. And it's like, I'm like, man, okay, do I? Do I need to fork out money to be a matchmaker? But then yes. it's like when you do see people, like I'm I'm a hugger. Like I love such a hugger. People. Yeah, I am too. Hard. It's like that, it's a dance. Do we hug? Can we hug? Yeah. Oh, and like, yes, yeah. No? I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands now. Yeah. I just yeah. like wave at people. <laughs> yeah. Or you you elbow bump. You touch weenuses. Weenus bump. A weenus, weenus bump. bump. <laughs> Sounds sexual too. But it is so true, right? It so does. Like, in theory, we keep talking that it's like this thing we're all going through, but there's such an isolation around oh God, it. And like, so you know, much. I think for so many of us, it's really prevalent, you know, for moms, it's very prevalent of like the fourth trimester and postpartum mm. for mm. Um, a lot of people. It's prevalent of going through a divorce or a breakup. And it can bring up these other times in our life where we felt incredibly lonely and isolated. Yes. Yeah. Definitely feeling a bit of that <laughs> and trying not to push that onto other other people that like I may be talking to I don't know there's there, there's also that whole like in between like what is dating in COVID right now yeah yeah so it's a good question what has it been like for you I mean I feel like I've been in this place where, like I'm super comfortable I'm almost too comfortable being alone now mm-hmm. and yeah. then like once I start talking to someone and it feels good I'm like whoa shit it's going to end because everything yeah. ends. <laughs> yes. yes. But that's but that's me and that's my own personal <laughs> traumas that I need I'm still I working on. 
Well, it's funny though, right? Because what you're also talking about is this bigger sense of like uncertainty, right? So uncertainty in our mm-hmm. relationships and uncertainty with COVID and these feelings can really go together and be magnified during this time. So mm. like that thing of like waiting for the other shoe to drop, I feel like we're all doing that with COVID as well. We're like, when? Well, I keep being like, when's the second wave coming? But I actually don't know when the first wave left. But um, <laughs> I don't think it did. I think it's just, it's increasing in tenacity. Yes, right? So like, we're like, when's this going to be over? When do things go back to quote unquote normal? What would dating look like with that? And like, it's such a hard adjustment. And I think for the summer, we all were kind of like, let's pretend like things are fine. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go so well, clearly. And I think- No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't. Yeah, right? I think it's hitting people now because I think that the summer was kind of up in the air, right? Like, what's it going to look like? Are we still going to be able to have fun? Is it safe if we're outside? Or is it safe if we're in water, right? Like, what do these things mm-hmm. look like? Right, and mm-hmm. I think that like, it's real, for some reason, and Emily and I were talking about that this week, it's hitting everyone this week. Yeah. Like, Danielle, this week, how was your mood and mental stability? <laughs> Uh, not great. I mean, there are like a few contributing factors and like, I can almost, as you were saying that it's like kind of hitting everybody. There was a week, it was like week seven or eight when I was on the bachelor and everyone lost their shit. Like everyone was like at that breaking point. And I was, I was just up in Wisconsin, hadn't seen my family since Christmas and was like trying to get some family time in and then the full moon. And then, you know, you're talking to someone and the conversation starts lagging or like, you're not like communicating as much. And then, oh my God, I've been on a, I've been on a roller coaster. So may, I don't know what it is. This right. Time. So like, who knows what it is? We can count it up to like that. That was a crazy ass full moon in Aquarius. We, we can do mm-hmm. that. That was, we can say it's planetary alignment. We can say that it's COVID. We can say, you know, that our world's on fire, whatever you want to look at it. But a lot of people are feeling the same thing this week, which is like bodies feeling like cement, struggling to move, feeling paralyzed. So tired. Right. So exhausted, frustrated people around you, disconnected from Mm -hmm. yourself, disconnected from others. So if you're listening to this one and you're feeling that you're definitely not alone and and there's something bigger happening. And as, as therapists, we get the opportunity to see that everyone's going through it, but no one really talks to each other about it. So it's even Mm -hmm. more isolating, especially if you're on social media, people are only posting pictures of like, I'm doing great when really they're like, yeah, shutting off the camera and crying hysterically. (laughs) So so I'm dancing through the pain on this TikTok, (laughs) but you can't fucking tell. Can't tell I'm doing fine. There's like there's a TikTok that's like I'm not laughing. I'm I'm or I'm not crying. I'm laughing, and that's like all of us right there. We're like no no we're laughing. It's fine, and we're dying. Yeah. So like it's even it's even more isolating when you're going through something and assuming that everyone else is doing fine. We get to see that no one's doing fine, which like feels like a privilege that people talk to us about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can say, oh, okay, like our clients are struggling too. (laughs) And we're all struggling and everyone's kind of going through it at the same time. And so that's kind of part of the reason why we do the podcast too, is to like really open up the conversation about mental health. Mm -hmm. Just to like help people feel less isolated in it and kind of break down the stigma of it. I love that because, and and that was actually one of my other questions. If you kind of started the podcast as like a second arm to like your therapy group, because mental health, I mean, so many people, they look at it as like a, maybe like an extravagance, like something extra to spend Mm -hmm. money on when it's like, no, this is, this is actually under the healthcare umbrella, Mm -hmm. but it's not always that easy or accessible, you know, especially right now with COVID, everyone's taking a hit financially. How do you like manage that in your head, like reallocating funds to help like your mental health when like, you know, you need it, but then you're like, oh, I need to get some groceries. You know, like I can't afford a $150 therapy bill. Like, you know, because insurance, like insurance just doesn't cover it for many people. and like, you know, it's such a larger problem, right? We could have an entire, mm-hmm. I'm sure we could have like many, many, many episodes on our healthcare system and the issues mm-hmm. we have within it. But a large part is a lot of things are not covered, especially like family therapy and couple therapy, therapy yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like don't get approved. So there's therapists that are, you know, lying and writing down different CPT codes and writing this different stuff to try to help people. But for us, yeah, we own the Westchester Therapy Group. We own the Philadelphia Therapy Group. We have 13 amazing clinicians but really the podcast came from people just wanted to have their questions answered. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously like it's not therapy. We don't know that we can't give exact advice, but we can definitely 
give the knowledge that we have. And for a really long time, I think the field of therapy was kept as a mystery and it kept as like, we're experts. But for Jen and I, one of the things we realized was that like, we did the most work on ourselves when we were in grad school. For us, grad school was the most intensive therapy we've ever had. We were both in therapy at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So we were like, why would we not teach people this as well? Yeah. Why don't we teach people how we think and how they can look at their life in a different way? So this is more accessible yeah. because a podcast is free. A podcast is 40 minutes. A podcast is something you can put on like during a walk and it just makes it so much yeah. more available and that's how mental health should be. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. I think too, um, the part of the reason why we build our practice and sort of our mission is to connect to people on like a pretty relatable level. And I think that yeah. because we both had therapy, yeah. we hated, <laughs> we both had such oh. negative experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So many people Same. have horrible, right? So like whether it's a therapist or whether it's an OB, there's so many people like you have this really horrible experience and you mm-hmm. don't realize until you have the right clinician for you, how amazing it is. Yeah. And so we, right. we, you know, we built our podcast, we built our practice around just connecting with our clients as human beings and taking a really down to earth position yeah. and approach. And we found that we've had such positive responses, whether it's from our clients or from our listeners, um, who have kind of said the same thing as us, that they have gone to clinicians that there's been too much psychobabble and they can't connect with yeah. them in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we just want to make therapy a very relatable, more connected experience because when you're going to therapy, it's such an intimidating experience. There's so much, there's so much <clears throat> stigma around it. It feels like, oh, I, I have to go if I'm, you know, something's wrong with me. Or I have mm-hmm. to listen exactly what my therapist says. You're allowed to say, actually, that doesn't work for me or that's not the same. You know what I mean? Like for so oh, I love long, that. Like, yeah. Like we really believe that our clients are the experts on themselves and we're there to work through it with them and help them untangle stuff. But we're not there to tell you how to live your life. You get to make that decision. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of therapists don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Oh my God. I think one of the worst therapy experiences I ever had was after my fiance had died. And like, this is like 10 years ago, but I was speaking with like a grief therapist and he was literally telling me what stage I was in. I was like, motherfucker, Ugh. I've studied Kubler-Ross. Like, I know <laughs> what fucking stage I'm in. You're not helping me. <laughs> me and Elizabeth are friends, man. Shut up. <laughs> yes. So you're like, I'm sitting here just trying to process and just trying to heal. And it's like, kind of like, that shit's not helpful. No. Right? Like, in that moment. No. Like, so like, Daniel, like, in that moment, like, what do you think you actually needed? I just needed someone to be like, to like, hear me and hear my pain. And honestly, I don't know if, um, I don't know if I could have heard at that moment that like I was going to be okay or, you know, there's going to be someone else like, but just to know that someone cared enough and was like, yeah, like everything that you're feeling is, is real. And it really fucking sucks right now. And, and that's once again, like to have a therapist that really listens to you and listens to Mm -hmm. your pain and can sit with you in it. And I think that's the tough thing too, is that as a society, um, all about like just be happy and think positively and we're we're about like connecting light and love is gonna save the world right right now it's going to save you right and so like just repeat this to yourself in the mirror and you'll be happy yeah Yeah, we're not about that we know that people experience pain and we think it's important in those times to have someone who's connecting with you in that because that's really what you need you need someone who says it's okay to feel this way well I mean Mm -hmm. especially in grief right like People yeah. are like, oh, I mean, just, dude, I can't even imagine, Danielle, the bullshit you get after you lose someone. People oh, are just like, oh, they're in a better place. That's the worst thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, or you're just, young. You'll fall in love again. Yes. Right? Fuck like, you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so true, right? Like, we say all this stuff, and basically what we're saying is don't feel this. Yeah. yeah. Because we're uncomfortable yeah. with it. Right. And so many people are uncomfortable with grief. It's such a weird place for people to sit in. And mm-hmm. so as clinicians, you know, like, where else in your life do you get 50 minutes just of you? It is like right. the biggest, I love going to therapy because where else do I get to just talk about me <laughs> and like through my stuff where someone's not saying like, well, in my life, you know, like, mm-hmm. and especially when you're going through grief, but that is really hard and we can't expect it from people. It's not like emotions are taught in school, right? And they should right. be. Yeah. Right. You know, I think like being taught that like, it's okay for other people to have pain 
and that we can sit with it is probably really important to teach kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I think all the time when, when people are coming to us, whether it's in our relationships or friendships or family members, um, we think that they're coming to us so that we can like fix their pain. Right. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of people will go into fixing the problem by being like, it's okay. Like, right. Like something like, oh, you'll find someone they're in a better place trying to like fix our pain in some way. But really what we're looking for is someone to just be there with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to love us while we fix ourselves. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's really good. (laughs) Thanks guys. God, what a supportive episode. Man, I'm feeling it. That's really what our episodes are about. We just support each other. I, I mean, like, I want to sign up with you guys. <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you do telehealth, like, yeah, you just take patients in uh, Pennsylvania or, you know, totally. where, what do you do? So, yeah. So, so our main offices and locations are in Pennsylvania. And here's like another thing, right? And as we say, like, we can sit here and talk about how our healthcare system is an issue. There's a lot of things that are like also an issue with HIPAA, with, you know, accessibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that are disabled have had issues getting services forever. And now all of a sudden everything's virtual. Like this thing we told them we couldn't do for them all of a sudden we can do right. Like how, like, it's right. just like, it's so crazy. Like everything that's happened from COVID and all of a sudden HIPAA doesn't really exist the same way. And all of a sudden you can practice across state lines and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can come to the Westchester therapy group for life coaching yeah. <laughs> across state lines and we can't call it therapy, but just keep it in mind. <laughs> There has to be some way to help people. There ha- yeah. It has to be more accessible. We have to do a better job, right? Why mm-hmm. should it matter if, if I find a therapist I connect with and then I have to move out of state for right. work? Why should right. I not work with them anymore? It's this because weird, that's, silly thing. That's like one of the hardest things because it's like you find, yes. you find someone that you can actually connect with, you can talk with, and then you can't continue to go to them because you can't afford them. Right. Yeah, you know, right. uh, yeah, you're right. This could be like a million episodes just on trying to fix the like, in, in including like mental health under healthcare and insurance because it's not oh, yes. not an extravagance. You look at you look at how much your emotions play into oh. how you're feeling and how it affects and how you carry it in like different parts of your body. Absolutely. Like, absolutely, it's preventative oh. medicine. Therapy is preventive medicine. And if we spent more money on preventive medicine, we'd be a healthier society. And that's what we often forget. If we took care of this stuff, right? We can see it. It's also preventative intergenerationally, right? If we Mm -hmm. have healthy moms and if we have healthy moms and parents, we have healthy children. So all of this is preventative. But if we look at other countries, they don't have the same rates of postpartum depression mm-hmm. because they actually give maternity leave. They actually give, you know, pater- focus on and yeah, paternity leave. Too. Exactly. Paternity leave. And paternity, yep. right? We give, we set people up for more success, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. so that's like, so if you're listening to this episode and you haven't thought about it, therapy can be preventative. For mm-hmm. especially one of the things we also talk about with couples therapy is couples come. There is research that indicates that couples come seven years too late. We can't tell you the amount of phone calls we get where people said, I have gotten phone calls where someone says, Well, this is our last ditch effort. Yeah. And I'm like, Man, if you're coming in <laughs> as your last ditch effort, oh no matter God. how good I am, I do not think I can help you. You've already decided. This is not the Hail Mary pass. Right. No, not, right. This is not clear eyes, right. full arts, can't lose. And, like, and I think. <laughs> Wait, which is so, wait, also, but so funny you said that, Danielle, because just so you know, Jen walked down the aisle to the Friday nights. Friday um, Night Lights theme song. (laughs) I, I love that. It was the greatest moment of my life (laughs) because of the theme song, not because I was getting married. (laughs) Sorry, excuse me. It's not COVID. What? (laughs) It's not COVID, I swear. (laughs) It's like you can't have allergies these days or everyone automatically (laughs) thinks it's COVID. Yes. Yeah. I only just started watching Friday Night Lights because one of my, he's actually my producer on, on The Bachelor. And he's like, oh my God, I think you'd actually really like this show. Like, I love it. I'm like, you love this show. Like, it just seems like such a disconnect. But I'm like, I'm in no, it. It's life changing. It's, it's life changing. So I spent an entire summer not leaving my house <laughs> so that I could watch Friday Night Lights. Emily actually got me a Riggin shirt because oh my he's, God, he's so hot. hot. Oh, he's so God. hot. Where is he? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think he's on like a like an NYPD show or one something. Hit wonder that we, we gotta find him. 
Where is he? So anyway, I know. Listen, he's got Instagram. It's fine. We got we got to find him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as we were talking about, like it's. I think part of it is like the stigma around mental health that keeps people Mm -hmm. from going into couples therapy or going into individual therapy that they Mm -hmm. feel like something has to be so wrong with me or something has to be so wrong with my relationship. Right. Um, if I'm going to couples therapy, you hear all the time people saying, oh, we're not even married yet and we're going to couples therapy. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's actually very healthy. I mean, the other yeah. thing to keep in mind is like, you know, so Jen and I both have special have specialties in sex therapy. And mm-hmm. one thing we hear all the time is people come in and they say, I have no sex drive, I have no sex drive. And then it turns out that they have extreme sexual pain. Well, of course you don't have sex drive. Sex feels horrible for you, right? Yeah. They haven't told their OB or they did tell their OB and their OB was like, ah, oh, it's normal with your birth control. You're like, dry. drink some wine. Drink some wine or use no, lube. Extra lube. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> As we hear that all the time, right? It's so interconnected physical mm-hmm. and mental health. And we have to have like a more holistic approach. And that's one of the things we really try to do is to make sure we know the people in this area, especially for women's health, which is what mm-hmm. we work on a lot. I just interviewed a doctor, Dr. Uh, Ty Ahmed, and she is in New York City and she's a um, a pelvic physiatrist. And so mm-hmm. like, she just opened my eyes to this whole world of like pelvic pain and pelvic therapy and pelvic physical therapy. I mean, like there's such a huge world yes. like, to, to trying to help and like fix that, like with women's health. Totally. And people don't, people don't talk about it. They don't. And Mm -hmm. and like one of the things you probably like hear from pelvic doctors or maybe she even spoke on was, you know, that sexual pain is normal or like we should, you know, it's so normalized, especially after childbirth, especially for people that um, don't have a ton of experience when Mm -hmm. really sexual pain isn't normal. Sexual discomfort can be maybe normal at the beginning or after childbirth, but pain mm-hmm. is not. Right. The same thing with urinary incontinence. That's a pelvic floor thing. But it's just so, it's so normalized for women to just suck up pain and discomfort, whether that's physical yeah. or mental. We're taught to. No, we're definitely taught to. And like, and I think that also contributes to women not using their voices, not speaking out because we're, we're taught to, to be quiet, you know? Yeah. I mean, not so much in like the last, you know decade to mm-hmm. I mean you know I feel like things are definitely changing but it is um, and, and for what and, and like a lot of that is like for white women right like we're incredibly right. privileged that we're white women and can have these conversations and I feel like my doctors mm-hmm. take me very seriously but we know that there's a discrepancy for black women in health and in mental health yeah in, in mental health and especially in childbirth oh my especially. god like if you look at the mortality rate it is absolutely horrible it's horrific. for black women and also in mental health how much is there racial gaslighting that you know if your mm-hmm. therapist isn't anti-racist if they're not doing their own work then they're going to mm-hmm. gaslight you and minimize you when you're taking yeah. as microaggressions and racism so it really goes across I've heard it say before um doctors are to black women as cops are to black men Ooh, and yeah. I think Unfortunately, it's true, not just physically, but in our mental health field as well. Yeah. Well, that was a downer. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, but it's, it's so true. That's, and that's it's true. It, and it needs to, it needs to be said, you know, yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at the history of white medical aggression against black people. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's disgusting. It's disturbing. And it's like, like there, I feel I mean, obviously I can't speak to it, but I feel like if I were a black woman, I would have even more distrust of, of trying to seek out mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many things we could talk about when it comes to mental health, but I know for us, what it has to be about is authenticity and accessibility and no mm-hmm. psychobabble bullshit. Yeah. No one wants to right. do that. Um, Absolutely. Right. That's, that's what it's we 2020, think. man. Your therapist should curse. Your therapist should be fucking <laughs> honest with you. And you have to connect with them. We always recommend if, if you find a therapist that you don't connect with to look for someone else because mm-hmm. they're the therapeutic relationship is the most important predictor of success in therapy. It's yeah. not about what they studied. It's not about, you know, how much they can teach you. It's about the relationship. That is mm-hmm. the most important predictor. And if you don't feel connected to your therapist, it's going to be an issue. Yeah. You know? you're, well, it's not going to be helpful for you. Right. Right. Well, I always think about like, you know, like two friends can say the same exact thing to you. 
they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know if he treats you well. And one friend, you're like, shut up, you're jealous. And the other one, you're like, hey, maybe he doesn't treat me well. Like, there's just like, for yeah. some reason, certain people, we take their like voice as like truth. Yes. And so that's yeah. important. Right. So and that's the importance of like feeling like you really vibe with your therapist. Right. And everyone's different. Mm-hmm. You gotta yes. connect with different therapists, you know. And so we always say, like, call people at have like a 15-minute phone consultation if that's something that they offer. Just mm-hmm. make sure you connect with them. And if you've been in therapy and you realize that you haven't been connecting with your therapist, you're not making any progress, look for another one. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I need a vacation from cooking. When the heat rises, I'm looking for ways to do a little less, especially when it comes to heating up my kitchen. That's why lately I've been skipping out on meal prep and keeping things really easy with Daily Harvest. I've been wanting to try Daily Harvest forever, and I'm glad I finally took the plunge. I'm a smoothie girl in the mornings, and they take all the prep out of it. They even have scoops now, which is their new plant-based ice cream that's free of additives, preservatives, and fillers. Because they're made with whole, nourishing, organic ingredients like black sesame, coconut cream, and dragon fruit. Like I said before, I'm a smoothie girl. And right now, I'm drinking the mango, pineapple, acerola, I think that's right, acerola? I think it's a cherry, and papaya, and macadamia smoothie. It's so easy, and it's delicious. You just add water or your preferred liquid to the cup. I like to use pressed coconut water, pour it into your blender then back into your cup. It even comes with a lid so you can jet out the door for work. I'm eyeing up their scoops for dessert for tonight. Eating clean food with Daily Harvest is easy and effortless. Whether you're having a night at home or you need a quick bite on the go, everything stays fresh in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it. Keep it simple this summer with Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code WOMED. To get 25 bucks off your first box. That's promo code WOMED for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. I wanted to kind of circle back to mental health can be like preventative because there was, I mean, obviously in the medical field, there's the rates of burnout and compassion fatigue are just astronomical. I mean, especially in the nursing profession, we're, we're turning over, I mean, nurses are burning out two years tops. And I interviewed, uh, she's a friend of mine, she's Nurse Sarah on Instagram, and she started going to therapy preventively in nursing school just to like mm. try and start gaining, um, oh, coping skills? Coping skills. Yes. That was so difficult, but I made it. Thank I was you. like, I feel it. I don't want to take the yeah. word away from you. I'm no. Gonna- coping skills. (laughs) Yes. And she said, it's, it's really, it's really helped her. And I feel like it's, it's something that especially, you know, nurses and healthcare professionals were so in the line of, we have to take care of everybody. We have to take care of everybody. And nurses can definitely, because I've done this before, gotten into relationships where you end up being the fixer. Yeah. And uh, believe me, there's there's plenty of men to be fixed in Nashville, and they're all yes, musicians. I'm sure. um, and they've all fallen in my lap. Um, <laughs> and I'm tired of it. <laughs> so, I have so much respect for nurses. I yes. mean, like, I we're married, right? My husband was a nurse, and he ended up burning out and switching mm-hmm. careers to become a real estate agent. But I, it, it, the the difference I see between nurses and like what we do therapists is that like when you go to therapy for the most part, not all the time, people mm-hmm. are choosing to come to therapy. Yeah. Right. When you're a so nurse. they're treating you with more respect. They're treating you with more respect. Um, if you're a nurse, if you work in the hospital, I guess it, it depends on what environment you're working in. People aren't happy to be there <laughs> and they're no. scared. They're yeah. scared and they're triggered. And like, I also think the number one thing we don't talk about when it relates to this burnout is the secondhand trauma. The medical Mm -hmm. professionals end up with, yeah, especially right now during COVID. Yes, my God, yes, absolutely. Well, and also that you know, four months ago we're celebrating all these medical professionals, and now we're like, don't tell us what to do. I was saying we should, (laughs) and we should, we should celebrate these medical professionals all the time. Yes, like what they do is amazing. But right, this rate of burnout because one. I also think there's a stigma in the mental health field. I have so many friends that are doctors that like don't want anyone to know that they're like in therapy or mm-hmm. they keep it really hidden. And so they're seeing this, what can be incredibly traumatic 
and anxiety producing stuff. And there's not a ton of places to sort of process that, mm-hmm. especially right now. It's just autopilot. And when you're yeah. working a 12 hour shift, a lot of times there isn't time for that. Oh, yeah. There's no other no. choice. <laughs> I've cried in the bathroom multiple times. Of in course. course. You need yeah. some type of escape, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not working in breaks. We're not talking about like mental health enough here. And I also think, you know, we look at numbers. That's why we can have like a high rate of addictions in the medical field as well. Mm-hmm. Accessibility and no, there's no care of it. They're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And, and Danielle, you brought up a really good point in terms of like people who are pulled towards helping professions. Like it, <laughs> our fixers. Our fixers, right? Yeah. And we mm-hmm. end up and givers, attract takers. Yes. And we yes. end up getting ourselves into relationships where we're like, oh, that maybe this person needs help or maybe this person needs fixing. And when you're helping people in your job and then you're going home and you're helping people in your relationship, you mm-hmm. get burnout that much more quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting that like help people who are in helping fields get pulled towards relationships where you end up being the helper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's just such a toxic situation to be in. Yeah. It really and, is. And, and it's, you know, I don't know if you've read Burnout by Emily Nagalski, but she talks no. about it specifically. It's really fabulous, but she talks about specifically how women are trained to be caregivers from a really young age. Yes. Right? Because we're given baby dolls mm. and we are celebrated when we share our toys and we're nice and we're sweet and we cuddle mom. You know what I mean? Like all this mm-hmm. stuff is put on from a really, really young age that makes us into these helping roles. So a lot of us make our professions out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And because that, example, because all of us. <laughs> for yeah. example, all three of us right here, right? Yes. And, <laughs> and that's also what can lead to burnout because you probably didn't right? Like, so you became a nurse, but that wasn't where your healing and caring for others started. You were already doing it for so long, mm-hmm. especially those of us who were parentified at a young age and were taught to be older than we were. Yeah. And it, I just, it, it's to the point where I feel like it's always been a part of my nature to like mm-hmm. help and care and be there for other people. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so who would you be without that? Yeah. I don't know. Because I feel like that's what I've identified with so long. And, yeah, you know, yeah. when I made the decision to, to leave the, um, like the hospital bedside, mm-hmm. leave the NICU, I was like, oh my God, what am I without, you know, what, what am I without nursing? You know, like that's yeah, how yeah. like I identified myself. And, and it wasn't I that I wasn't a nurse anymore, you know, like my degree didn't get taken away, but, um, but just not being able to identify with such a, you know, revered role, you know, especially being NICU, you know, oh my God, you're saving babies. And it's like, yeah, but have you ever put a baby in a body bag? Like, oh God, that'll, that will, I mean, that's trauma. That will give you trauma. Right. Well, and, and so you're talking about something incredibly important, which is, this is something we talk about, like, so it's this idea of let's set up boundaries. But if we set mm-hmm. up boundaries, then who the hell do I become if my whole life has been right. taking care of others? Whether mm-hmm. and, and for a lot of us, it starts at a young age in our family roles mm-hmm. or friend roles, or I was always the one my friends came to for advice, or I was, you know, always the good one in my family. And then let's say we, you go to a therapist and that therapist says to you, set up some boundaries. Don't do that anymore. Right. Well, then who the fuck am I? Right. Am I and not yeah. the good one? Am I not the, you know? And, and I think that, that, those of us who are givers, who are very empathetic, who mm-hmm. we get something out of giving to others. Like we get yeah, some, some sort of, um, it like feeds us in some way. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's tough too, is that, you know, we'll have clients come to us and say they're giving, giving, giving in all of their relationships and their burnout. And so when we talk to them about what they're getting from those relationships, they're getting something out of giving. Um, Mm -hmm. And they don't really realize where they can set those boundaries to find more of the balance in their relationships so they can get what they need, but also ask for what they need, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the tough part too, is that setting boundaries doesn't mean that you're never giving to others. It means you're finding more of a balance in your relationships. And, And something we know from being therapists is that you can't take care of anyone else unless you're taking care of yourself first. Well, yeah. And that's one thing I would tell all the moms and stuff that I was taking care of, you know, I'd be like, you need to take care of yourself because, you know, like go home for a night, take a hot bath, relax, have a bottle of wine, (laughs) maybe a glass, but like a bottle, I don't care, pump and dump. Have the whole bottle. (laughs) But like, I'm here tonight. Like, let me, let me take over this for you so you can recharge wow. yeah, so that you wow. can better come back here and be more rested. 
and the hardest part is turning it off right so the hardest mm-hmm. part is like not the physical boundary it's the mental boundary yeah you, know, you left your child in that NICU you have to go home and for a lot of moms you're they'd have to be present with your other kids mm-hmm. and that is incredibly hard right the right. same thing you know Danielle there must have been nights you left work and couldn't stop thinking about some of those kids or oh, some of yeah. those moms right so those yeah. mental boundaries are just as important as really like hard. you know who we follow in social media and who we surround ourselves with that is so hard to turn it off that's the autopilot mm-hmm. yeah yeah constantly on autopilot mm-hmm. and then I can't imagine what it's been like for you know these nurses and doctors and like RTs and everyone working in these hot zones right now yes. where they're like there's bodies everywhere, you know? I mean, like the trauma coming out of this is going to be astronomical for these healthcare workers. And I I just, yeah, I just worry, I worry about them and like what they can, you know, do now. Absolutely. And I think that there's, you know, for hospitals to provide more accessibility and, and I'm sure it's different mm-hmm. based on each hospital mm-hmm. to um, any sort of mental health yeah. connection, they, because that it, you, you get this um, vicarious trauma from being yeah. in those professions. Well, I think the hard part also is that like, then we have people that are getting sick, right? So like mm-hmm. there's already a limited amount of people you guys have on the floor and then let's say a bunch of your main nurses get sick, mm-hmm. your main mm-hmm. doctors get sick, right? And then yeah. everyone's already stretched thin. And it's this, it's most people became nurses and teachers and whatever we're putting people on the front lines of right now, not to become martyrs. Right. Right. You weren't trying, you know, you want to help people, you want to love people, but no one really meant to put their lives on the line. Yeah. And yeah, and like we're not hard. soldiers. Right. No, right. <laughs> and it's all right. And, and once again, like, it's hard to take care of people every day when you're mm-hmm. burnt out, you, like, you start to get resentful Yes, mm-hmm. and it starts to come out in your work. And so if we want to help your relationships and your relationships, yeah. and we want a healthcare system that's really based around helping people that we need to think about our healthcare workers yes. and the mm-hmm. support that we give to them because they're not going to be able to do anything yeah. without their taking care of their mental health. There's a hospital near us that I won't mention um, <laughs> that I know that they can't call out for mental health reasons. Like it wow. can't just be, I need a mental health day or I've been mm-hmm. feeling depressed or anxious. Um, it has to be an actual illness, a physical illness. Yeah, they don't deem mental. They health. don't deem yeah. mental health, which blows my mind. Because wow. if someone's distracted by anxiety, by depression, are they giving and the you miss something? Anyway? Right, yeah. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, who does that fall on? You know, like does it that falls end- on that that provider and their license because right? yes, most right. hospitals and- don't have that sort of like protection or. Um, protection set up for their staff right mm-hmm. and so so I know we're like on our soapbox so <laughs> <laughs> we're like change the medical field right like, but it totally needs to it needs to we'll broadcast this but yeah. it's true I mean it just it blows my mind how how much mental health isn't taken into consideration yeah. in these mm-hmm. instances but it's a good point to bring up the Jen said like we're on our soapbox and one of the reasons why I think is because activism has to start with us mm-hmm. the reality mm-hmm. is is like Jen and I aren't going to get on this podcast and we're not going to change legisl- right. legislation we're not lobbyists right if we can no we don't know god bless the women that do though <laughs> right oh my gosh yeah. but if we could convince you know, even one woman listening to this in the health field to say, you want to know what my activism has to start at home. I have to take care of myself. No one mm-hmm. else is going to do that. Then that's a change. That's what we actually can do. Cause people, so many of us feel so powerless right now, but mm-hmm. what you can do is one rest is activism. Yes. Taking care yeah. of yourself is activism. Slowing it down is activism. If we start doing it at home and treating our mental health with more care, then it does create a larger thing. We believe that it takes, um, we talk about in couples therapy, two people to start a dynamic, one person to change it. it just needs to start with one. I love that. It's good. And that's what you have control over. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's all we have control over is ourselves. Oh God. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's control, horrifying. I'm raising my hand, control issues right here. Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we can, understand. We can all raise our hands over here. <laughs> yes. Because that's the thing, especially now with everything going on, it is so apparent what we don't have control over. Yeah. And so that's why we're sending out the message. What you do have control over is what you do for yourself. Yeah. 
And you say to yourself, if I actually take care of myself, if I set up a boundary, what will happen? Am I going to get fired? You know, probably not right now. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, they need you, right? They Am I going to get fired? Is my life going to fall apart if I say- What's, what's the fear? Yeah, what's like, the fear of setting the boundary? Because for mm-hmm. a lot of us, it's who am I without being selfless? And yeah. what we want to also say to you is that in between, if we have a spectrum of selfless on one end and, and selfish on the other, in the middle is self-care. And that's where you thrive. That's where you grow. You, you're, you guys are hitting me with everything right now. This is so- <laughs> So good for my own personal soul right now. <laughs> oh, good, good. But we hope we get listeners too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am curious though. I mean, you guys also listen to, feel, take on, you know, the care and like mental health of of all your patients too. Like, how do you guys set up boundaries on that? How do you take care of yourselves and not like? carry things home because I imagine it would be really difficult for you guys too it's a great question (laughs) especially now I think I think part of the tough thing now is that because we're seeing clients from our homes that there's less of energy yeah there's less of a physical boundary and so Mm -hmm. um like before right so like we would leave the office and typically and here's one of the things like and I think we live in a society that's like, be independent, be strong. Jen and I are work together with everything we do because we are better people together. So because, nice. I, I mean, that. because, right? Because like, we're codependent. Because there's this part about having someone to go through it with, right? So the way that mm-hmm. we used to before was we would end our sessions for the day. We would talk on the phone on the way home about, you know, bullshit, decompress so that we were able to then get home and be with our families. Mm-hmm. It is different working from home and not having that same boundary the same yeah. way. But for Jen and I, we both go to therapy. We both work out sometimes. Um, <laughs> here and there. <laughs> but we have fun. We yeah. like believe in joy and we believe in a ton of gratitude. And Mm -hmm. we also have to remember that this is a job that Mm -hmm. we are not therapists. We're people first. And my job is to be good to myself first and then to my daughter and then to my husband. Well, actually probably my dog before my husband. Sorry, honey. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I'm a therapist. That it is actually at the end of the day, it isn't who we are. It's our profession. And there has to be a separation of that. And and I think, to being very aware of what we're going through, like to be constantly aware of- We're talking to ourselves all day long. Constantly, right? We're always doing our own self-work. I've also recognized that doing virtual sessions is very different than doing therapy in person, that Mm -hmm. I personally have to space my sessions out more because it's it's way more exhausting. Um, Just because you're not picking up the same- in-person cues, you're not getting the same Mm -hmm. energy that you would from, from an in-person session. Um, but I, I do have to say in certain sessions, um, I found that clients find, uh, virtual therapy actually a little bit safer, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because there's more of a boundary for them because they're at home, they're in their own environment. They're also not rushing after work, trying to find a place to park. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can kind of show up where they are authentically and and, like feel safe there. Right. And so some of the sessions I have found are heavier, like people, people get into it. And so Mm to really create a boundary for myself around my sessions where I'm taking 10 minutes beforehand and just decompressing and 10 minutes afterwards where I'm not going straight down into talking to my husband after that, yeah. like really creating boundaries around mm-hmm. my sessions is really important. I mean, that's half the reason we do the podcast, right? Is like yeah. we joke, we laugh, we have, you have to find some humor and stuff. I would say that yeah. like, you know, lightheartedness is our number one coping skill to be able to be silly in between sessions. There's yes. many times where we have a quick break and we do very silly things like and move our, jacks. move our bodies in weird <laughs> ways and shake it out and listen to silly stuff. Um, and I just think there has to be a lightheartedness because this shit is so goddamn deep and depressing. Mm-hmm. You have to find something in it. And for yeah. some of us, it's our coworkers, right? Yeah. There must have been people on the floor with you, Danielle, that just oh, made yeah. your thing when you were with them on the schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about foul inappropriate conversations that happen at like between 3 and 5 a.m. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. 
I've had, I've had some doozies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But you need them. You like you need do them in, in order to to find that lightheartedness. To find and that that in itself is also self care. Yes. Yeah. So as long as no one else hears. It. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> as long as you're not yes. getting fired. <laughs> still, and when you're still respecting HIPAA and you know not hurting anyone, there yeah. there's got to be some parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. You have you have to laugh. You. you I mean, nurses are. Notorious for having a dark sense of humor. So, yeah. right. so we're therapists. We're sick fucks. We are. Yeah. <laughs> going to therapy. Oh my God. You guys are amazing. How, how did you guys decide you wanted to be therapists? Like what's the schooling even like for that? It's a great question. Well, so yeah, both of us were career changers. I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. Like I was like, mm -hmm. I'm 100% going to be a teacher. And then after like one week, I was like, no, thank you. This is fucking horrible. <laughs> Um, and so I <laughs> literally just figured out what I could transfer into and figure out some other thing that would sort of be the same. <laughs> like I wouldn't have to go back to school that long basically was the situation. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I think, you know, and Jen, you were in marketing. You were I was in marketing. In I New lived York. in New York. Yeah. I was absolutely miserable <laughs> and, um, realized I worked at a luxury consulting firm, which is like not something I'm interested in and realized that the only thing I was doing was I was talking, it was a very small firm. I was talking to the boss, to my boss about his divorce. And that's like really all I cared about. Um, and really throughout my entire life. Um, I really grab, yeah, I really gravitated towards talking to people and helping people. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in the same way you gravitated yeah. towards it too. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a kind of just, yeah, yeah, you kind of just know. And when we, um, and once again, schooling is different for every therapist. There are a bunch of different types of therapists, mm -hmm. um, specializing in different things. Mm -hmm. We're, so, yeah. we're licensed marriage and family therapists, which means, um, it's, it's not necessarily the population we serve, um, cause we also work with individuals. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of from a systemic framework. We are trained to look at everything within context. So for Jen and I, we're not doctors. We have just have master's degrees, master's of science, mm -hmm. and then both got specializations in sex therapy from that, the school we attended, which was Thomas Jefferson, which is actually a medical college in Philadelphia. So there's tons of ways. I mean, there's LPCs, there's social workers, there's psychologists, there's so many different routes and it's kind of all just different ways of saying the same thing yeah. and that's what I mean right so it's less about mm -hmm. the degree and more about do I really vibe with this person and connect with this person yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think when Emily and I entered into grad school we knew it was the right decision for yeah. us and especially because grad school as we said earlier is the most expensive therapy you could ever possibly get <laughs> but it really is the best. <laughs> it really is the best therapy yeah. like uh, uh, grad school really changed our lives becoming therapists really changed our lives in terms of because you have to do your you're own you're fixing yourself yeah, you, can, you have to do your own you can work only as a take your clients mm -hmm. as deep as you've gone yourself so if you're not yeah. if your therapist is not doing the work if they're not going to their own therapy then they can't go there with you so, I mean, it was and it pretty might, scary. It was, yeah, it, it was a lot. <laughs> and our class was crying a lot. But, but it speaks to like that therapist, when you were going through your grief, the mm -hmm. therapist who was unable to sit with you in that, it, it speaks to their inability to go there for themselves. Yeah. That dealing yeah. with their own pain or dealing with their own sadness was hard for them to sit with. And so um, it, it because of that, it was hard for them to sit with your pain too and your grief. And so that's why we talk about going to grad school, something that changed our lives because it really took us to a really deep place within ourselves, really working on our own stuff so that we're not taking it out on our clients so that we can give mm -hmm. our clients the best possible care that they need. And it also taught us who we don't want to be as therapists. Right. <laughs> we also yeah. interned and worked with then a lot of therapists we did not want to be. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and Do they listen to your podcast now? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not Chances because, are because they would think we're so unprofessional right. and so inappropriate, right? Because there's yeah. a lot of therapists that believe you should just nod your head and say, how does that make you feel? You shouldn't tell anyone anything about yourself and you shouldn't curse mm -hmm. and you should be completely impersonal. And that's just not how we vibe. So sometimes our careers tell us what we don't want. Right. It, it makes me wonder too, should therapy be a lifelong thing? Because I feel mm -hmm. like I get very cyclical with it. Like yeah, I'll, I'll go to therapy and I'll get to a point, you know, I'll gone for a couple months and I feel really 
good. I feel confident in myself. And then, you know, some life event will happen um, like a couple months later, a year later, something. In, and I'm like, Ugh, yes, why am I doing this again? And then I need yes. to go back. And <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think therapy can be lifelong and not consistent, right? So yeah. like you can, and that's the reason why we believe in switching up therapists, trying new people, trying different mm-hmm. modalities of therapy. There's mm-hmm. lots of ways of healing. You know, maybe for you, you also go for a point and you're like, I'm really into energy work and I want to do Reiki and I want to do, yeah. you know, we believe that therapy is anything that helps. Yeah. So it doesn't always mean seeing the same therapist every single week for, you know, every, for the rest of your, the rest of your fucking life, that shit will drive you nuts. And, and you'll also, have no money left. And also, yeah. And also different therapists, like, you know, teach you different things. Right. Mm-hmm. So there may be, you know, who you go to in college is different who you go to when you're getting married or couples therapy. So yeah. I think we are big proponents in taking breaks in refiguring out your goals. And if you feel like you're hitting a plateau with your therapist, we highly encourage you to say, what are our goals here? And think about why you're going to therapy right? Mm -hmm. To make it like, how is this more of an active relationship as a passive one? And kind of what you said, Danielle, that it's very easy to fall back into old patterns. Like you could go to Mm -hmm. therapy for years um, and take a break with your therapist and then realize you're falling back into old patterns. There's something about going to therapy that almost keeps you accountable with your own thoughts. Well, it's like working out the trainer. Exactly. Yeah. Like you you (laughs) kind of have to practice it. Um, but, but we highly encourage for any one of our clients to do what feels right for them. Right. So like if, if someone has been going to therapy for a while, they feel like they're in a good space and they're like, I want to take a break. We're like, absolutely do it. Like, and Mm -hmm. I think this is something we have to announce. Uh, at least we're never offended. Never. When people are like, people <laughs> need to take a oh break. God, people are like apologize people to are us. worried that we're going to be offended. Yes. I'm like, well, I, I think it might be like a shame thing. Like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like I'm yes. disappointing you for not, you know. Well, and that's the thing is like, like, so like you like, and so many of us are people pleasers. Yes. If you yep. are someone who does people pleasing, you're going to really want to please your therapist. <laughs> I can promise you, we want you <laughs> to, not we want you to succeed. We want you to be happy. We want you to go from weekly to bi-weekly to maintenance, right? Like mm-hmm. that is the goal of what we do, but you do become attached and that relationship doesn't go away. And we don't have, sit here and have like ill will. Like we genuinely love our clients and want to see them launch. And we want to see them mm-hmm. fly away, little birdies. But we've learned, <laughs> and we've little birdies, and we've learned that not to take things personally. No. That's where we did our own work. Yeah, for that, mm-hmm. that we're trained to do. If you say to your therapist, "I need to take a break," and your therapist is offended, they ain't doing the work. Something's nah. wrong, right? <laughs> if your therapist is like, "How dare you?" They have a reaction to it. Something's yes. off. Right. In yeah. general, if your therapist yeah. is like having reactions, reactions to you, to it's you. problematic. Yeah. And listen, yeah. there's bad nurses, there's bad accountants, there's definitely bad therapists. Mm-hmm. You know, don't take it as the whole field. Sometimes you oh, catch someone that's on a, a shame when that happens. It's it's because yeah. like it's the same thing. Like someone could have like a bad OB appointment and be like, I'm never going to the gynecologist oh again. And like yeah. that's not good. Right. Right. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta what, keep that cookie health going. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Someone needs some care. Exactly, right? So it's the same thing, you know, a bad experience or a bad day or a bad session. Like we encourage you to try something new and to talk about it and to tell your therapist it didn't work. And also, we also want to normalize quitting therapy and trying over with someone new. And also Mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, we also don't want clients to become dependent on us. Yes. That's that's another it too. We're not gurus. We're not gurus. And if, if clients become dependent on us, it means that they don't, they haven't developed the ability to take care of themselves outside Mm -hmm. of therapy. We believe a lot of the work happens outside of therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, that if you're not doing that work, then it's really going to affect you in the long run. So, so that's another piece of it too, is that the goal is for you to work through some stuff, um, to eventually launch and feel like you can take care of yourself. And if you realize that you need some maintenance, you need to come back in weekly. If something happens, yeah. then coming mm-hmm. back into therapy, we always encourage that. And yeah. I always say, just text me, <laughs> shoot me an email whenever you're ready. And like we said, like, and part of this is because like Jen and I are very laid back. We're people first, right? So there's mm-hmm. some clinicians that don't let you text them or they have like really strong boundaries. And you know what? Like, as opposed to like moving your boundaries to fit the clinicians, find a clinician that matches with yours. Yeah. So, so you guys are like available all the time. <laughs> so we're twenty four seven. Whenever you, know, we're not, not a crisis line. Yes. 
<laughs> we're not available all the time, but we're flexible with our availability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we try to be um, encouraging and loving. I have clients that will like send me pictures of their dog and I'm like, so adorable today, you know, right. like, mm -hmm. and now we're, now working from home and like seeing our client's house, I get to see their dog. Yeah. I love clients <laughs> where their dog's face will like pop in the sign. Because they're checking in, they're checking yeah. in on their humans, <laughs> making sure they're okay. Absolutely. Yes. And I like, there is one, I could not help but laugh because like the, the all you could see was like the nose just like broken <laughs> but it's we get to see like yes. what's happening at yeah. home but the other thing we do is we model boundaries right so so mm -hmm. often we're teaching people boundaries so like we'll say to people like listen like I'm, I'm probably not gonna get back to you within 24 hours if right. it's I tell people if you need to talk to me if it is an emergency if you need to call you write that right right mm -hmm. I actually do need a check-in today right if it's yeah. you just want to tell me I have some clients that like you know has such a busy week they'll shoot me an email before the session so mm -hmm. then they like know what they want to talk about. They're worried about forgetting it. And I welcome that. That's no problem either. I just say That's like, amazing. don't expect, yeah. yeah, just don't expect an email back from me. If you need a response, just say response needed in the subject line. So yeah. we also model healthy boundaries. So mm -hmm. clients can see that as well, because we believe you can be boundaried and loving and kind. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a disconnect. Like you feel like you have to be a bitch to be boundaried and that's not accurate. Yeah. There's that whole men love bitches book or something. And yes. I just, yes. I don't, that was I, my Bible in college. I, I've never <laughs> read it, but like the title alone, like, and I, so I shouldn't speak to it or judge it, but I'm just like, I'm not a bitchy person. Yeah. Like it tells you a lot about playing the game. And what that is saying is here's how you play the game of dating. But we want to encourage people to say, fuck the traditional game. And there's mm -hmm. a healthier way to do this right? Yeah. That's not written from a mental health perspective. That's written from a, how do I get guys to like me perspective? Yeah. And I'm like, I just want you to like me. <laughs> like I'm really right, cool. Right. But I, I, I didn't read the book, but I assume does like men, like what's it, what's it called? Men it's like, like women the chase. Men, yeah. Is, are you like, is it encouraging you to set boundaries in it's encouraging it's a it's pursuer distancer it's encouraged you so it's something we talk about a lot like this idea of pursuer distancer it's playing hard to get it's being an asshole it's like fucking back with them you know which like in, that works for some people but for other people that totally doesn't work and for like them. doesn't fit with your personality and it's and yeah. it is playing a game <laughs> yeah Right, like you're not being your is authentic that really self. You? Yeah, right. Yeah, then what's that for the long run? Right. So maybe, maybe yeah. the message is more so: How do you set boundaries for yourself? How do you say I'm okay with this? I'm not okay with this, um, mm -hmm. and make sure that you're taking care of yourself in the dating process, and you're not just focused on what they need and what they want. And as helpers, as people who are givers, it's very easy to fall into that when you're dating. Of like, I'm just going to give and give and give and see what they want. Where do you want to yeah. go for dinner? Um, what do you want to do today? Um, and we, it's very easy as givers to lose ourselves in dating. So mm -hmm. that's where I say, if we're going to get any message about, out of that, I did not read the book, but, <laughs> but it's to set boundaries for you to not lose yourself in, in yeah. relationships. But I mean, how day. many harmful books? Like remember that, did you ever read that book, Skinny Bitch? Like that was also no. like, oh my uh, God. Oh, that it's, sounds it's, like not a good, not the best. It's, it's literally pure diet culture, but you know, in 2006 man that shit was the rage like yeah when you know better you do better right mm -hmm. and in the year 2020 let's be authentic let's be real let's be boundary let's treat ourselves and then let's fucking add some tax to our worth and let's wear a mask yes and let's wear a and mask, wear a mask. <laughs> drink water and wear a mask <laughs> oh my god you guys have been absolutely amazing like i want <laughs> I'm going to keep having podcast check-ins with you yeah. because we, we could just, we could just hang out. Like yeah. we yeah. could just hang out over zoom. I feel like that's the move. We'll have yeah. to do, you know, what would be really fun is to do like a Q and a from just like a medical standpoint. Like that's what, great like idea. what to, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure out something, but Danielle, yeah. thank you for having thank us. You for, this has been incredible. Oh my God. No, I'm honored. Like I, I love you guys. I love what you're doing. And I just really hope that Everyone that's like listened to this today just feels validated, feels seen, feels all the things and recognizes that obviously mental health is part of healthcare. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening, you're worthy exactly who you are, where you are right now. And Emily, Jen and Daniel all love you. <laughs> so nice. Yes. Where can, pe where can people find you? 
Plug yourself there real quick too. People can follow us at WC Therapy Group or um, at Shrink Chicks. You can check us out on wctherapygroup.com. We have offices in Westchester and Philadelphia and, you know, throughout the United States. And we're growing, right? If you're looking for virtual. Yeah. (laughs) So fun stuff. But please always message us, reach out. Uh, We love you. We're here to support you. And thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. I love therapy and I love the shrink chicks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm definitely signing up for some telehealth sessions. I've always been a fan of therapy. Personally, it's been really helpful for me, but I do get out of the habit of going. Mental health is healthcare and it's so important to remember that. Make sure to tune into the shrink chicks podcast. I love listening to Jen and Emily get into their weekly topics. Right now, they're working on a whole family dynamics episode, which I cannot wait to listen to. Follow them at The Shrink Chicks and at WC Therapy Group. Take care and make space for your hearts and minds. Till next week, WOMED out. Out.